This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 95, Quitting. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a Citizen of Heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for checking in this week. No, I'm not quitting this podcast, nor am I quitting my job, my marriage, or my faith. But many people do, and depending on the situation, that can be disastrous. This week, we'll discuss one preacher's unfortunate approach to adversity, what drove Chip and Joanna Gaines to abandon their hit TV show, various rocks people are lobbing at Donald Trump these days and their implications for us, and why quitting a game is not the same as quitting gaming. Let's start with what I've been preaching. How do you approach adversity? Are you one of those stubborn, hard-headed types that just doesn't want to go without a fight? The Apostle Paul has a lot of strength in him, in his example. We see that he perseveres, that he pushes through. That's not the only option. In fact, there's a much easier option that is available to you if you want to avail yourself of it. It's what I call the Demas Solution, and it's based on someone who is described in a couple of passages in the Scriptures, but especially for our purposes in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. Paul is facing his final adversity, and there's a man named Demas who has forsaken me, Paul says, having loved this present world. That's the Demas solution. It gets too hard for you, you can quit. A lot of people do. A very popular solution, in fact. Quick, easy. That doesn't mean it's the best solution, though. And the way that it's couched in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it's difficult to give Demas any kind of credit, really. Having loved this present world, that sounds like a condemnation there. Others have left Paul for one reason or other. Some of them are described in that context. But Demas seems, for better or for worse, to bear something more of a stigma. And this is the kind of quitting that we need to avoid. It's not always a good idea to keep doing what you're doing simply because you have been doing it. But if you're a child of God, if you're a person of faith, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is worth believing in, in good times and in bad times. If you get tired, if you get worn out, and all of us do in the faith, that is the nature of it, especially as you start to get older, especially as challenges mount up and increase and adversity increases, there is always going to be this temptation to quit. Say, I'm worn out. I've given all that I have to give. I don't have anything else. Well, the Lord may have something else for you, though. If you feel like you are exhausted, have confidence that God can provide strength for you. Most of us have Isaiah 40, verse 31, embroidered on a pillow or on a wall hanging of some sort somewhere in our house. At least our family does. I'm sure a lot of you do too. That God will give us wings like eagles, the text says. He will allow us to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. This is the power that God has and that God is willing to share with us. Go back and listen to the Chariots of Fire episode from way back in the day. Eric Little is one of my absolute heroes, especially along these lines persevering, pushing through. Do not get tired. God will help you in these moments if you'll allow yourself to be helped. If you're alone or if it feels like you're alone, you're probably not as alone as you think you are, but there are moments when it feels like we are 
absolutely isolated. We are on and on. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. Nobody's working with me. Nobody's following along. I'm the only one carrying the banner for the Lord. Well, that's a pretty egotistical way of looking at it when you really think about it. Just because it may seem that way to you in the moment, in that particular space, that doesn't make it so. I love the way that the Lord gently chastises Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, giving him this demonstration that the small, still voice, maybe this is the picture of God that you need to get you through. God doesn't always appear in the earthquake. God doesn't always appear in the fire. Take comfort from whatever appearance God offers to you. And in that moment, he says, remember, there are still 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal yet. God is still with you. God is still with his people. If your faith runs low, if you're just about to quit, if you have dealt with false teaching and backtalk and criticism and persecution and, and you're just not sure that it's really all worth it, you're ready to abandon the faith. It feels like your faith is just the size of a mustard seed. Realize what Jesus can do with a mustard seed size faith. Luke chapter 17 and verse 5 and 6 talks about how he can grow that. When we ask to have our faith increased, that's what God does for us. He will increase our faith if we maintain what we have. Don't give up on that. God can do remarkable things with little things and with little people. And when it comes down to it, we're all little people. We're all the earthen vessels that Paul talks about being recipients of the gospel, recipients of of the Holy Spirit. What a remarkable thing that God is able to take little people who feel little oftentimes, and certainly I feel little sometimes, and use them to transform the world, to improve the world, and certainly improve their own faith. It's not easy. It's never going to be easy. But everything that's worth anything in this life is going to be worth working for. It's going to be a challenge. We have to push ourselves. We have to persevere. But God is with us when we do it. God is building us up. He is holding us up, carrying us when we need that extra boost. We just have to have enough confidence, enough faith, enough patience to look for that and allow God to accomplish in us the things that he's trying to accomplish. Don't quit on the Lord. He hasn't quit on you yet, so don't quit on him. Anyway, that's what I've been preaching. This is what I've been reading. So as usual, Chip Gaines was on Twitter looking at people reaching out to him, and one of his Twitter followers commented about a wreath. It was scheduled, it was due, and it was past due, asking when it would be delivered. No indication of any kind of animosity or or even frustration, necessarily. But it spoke directly to a problem that Chip had acknowledged in the back of his mind and was suddenly thrust to the forefront of his mind. In all of the hoopla, in all of the media frenzy and such, he was not getting the real job done. He had customers that were waiting on him, and he had allowed that to go unaddressed. They had a new child on the way, And there was concerns about that, how that was going to impact taping in a specific sense, but in a more general sense, how all of these extra balls were going to be balanced. And as he writes in Capital Gains, that was the moment he decided, it's time to walk away. It's time to end Fixer Upper. 
How could you possibly do this? How could you throw away this amazing opportunity? How could you throw away all this money, all of this fame and attention and all the rest of that? Well, Chip and Joanna were able to do that because they understood what the show was and what the show was not. Through it all, they had made a concerted effort to focus their attention on their true priority, family, faith, their customer base. Fixer Upper could be in a position to help them with that, to help them minister to their constituents, to their family, to the greater crowd. But when it becomes part of the problem instead of the solution, it's time to let go. And apparently it was announced in this book. That's the way the book is written anyway. When you buy your book secondhand three or four years after it's published, it's difficult to put timelines together. But it appears that that is not only the reason they quit the show, but part of the reason why he wrote the book was to explain this is why we walked away. This is why we quit. Quitting in and of itself is not a bad thing. It depends on what you're quitting and why you're quitting it. And such is the case in a biblical perspective also. It's not inherently noble to stick with plan A. Plan A may not be a good plan. Plan A may have outlived its usefulness. It may be flawed at its very core. Yes, you keep your faith. You stay true to God's word, but your implementation of it may change. Your conception of it may change. We may grow. We may develop in our, in our faith, in our understanding. The Apostle Paul's a great example of this. He tells a story in Acts chapter 22 of his awakening moment, as it were. And he starts at the beginning of the chapter not bragging necessarily, but talking about how he used to brag about his zeal in persecuting this movement that now he was at the forefront of. I was zealous in persecuting these ones, just like these people are, just like his accusers, he says. When you find out that you're on the wrong track, as Paul did on the Damascus Road, you need to quit. Doubling down on a bad plan is not noble. It very well may be in our zeal to do the right thing, we ignore the fact that we're not doing the right thing or that we're not doing it as perfectly or as as effectively as we thought. Apollos is a great contrary example to this. In Acts chapter 18, toward the end of Acts 18, he is preaching the gospel as he knows it, but he doesn't know it perfectly. Aquila and Priscilla approach him, show him the things of God more perfectly, and he's more than willing to accommodate. He needs to change. He needs to adapt. When we are on the wrong path, we need to get off that path and get onto the right path. And hopefully God will give us the wisdom and the courage to do that because it's not always an easy thing to do. When more vital things are being compromised, when our pursuit of something that may in and of itself be a noble thing, when it is interfering with something that is bigger, we have to back away. This is part of Paul's rationale in Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. He writes, Accept anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does, because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. Here in this context, it's not a, an ignoble thing to build your faith to the point where you realize that the doctrines of the Old Testament have faded away, they've been nailed to the cross, and now 
opportunities for liberty have been opened up to you. You can eat the bacon, you can eat the pork chops, you can eat the catfish, things like that. That's a good thing. You're developing your faith. We ought to be developing our faith. But it's more important for us to love our brethren. And when our exercise of faith interferes with our love of brethren, we need to back away. That is the more important thing. Sometimes quitting is a temporary thing. Sometimes we need to regroup. We need to recharge so that we can be better equipped to go back into the fight at some later time. Acts chapter 14, Paul has been preaching in the various cities of Galatia. He's gone into Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, and he's stoned in Lystra. They thought they killed him, perhaps. Well, he gets up, he dusts himself off, and then he goes on. He's not going to confront these people directly not at this particular time anyway. He's going to go on and preach to the people in Derby. He has an opportunity to continue the work, but it's going to be a different work. And then later on, a few weeks later, a few months later, he's able to return to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, seeing those brethren that he left behind, strengthening them, continuing the work. It wasn't right at the time, but it became right later on. There's nothing wrong necessarily with taking a little bit of time, getting a little bit of perspective, and allowing things to settle before you jump in and start shaking things up again. That's not quitting in the conventional sense of the word. It's okay to take a breather every once in a while, as long as we are continuing to focus on the real task, the job that lays before us of serving God and pursuing his things. Don't quit that. But know when to quit the little things. Anyway, that's what I've been reading. This is what I've been hearing. So if things go according to schedule... This podcast will drop the day before Donald J. Trump ceases to be President of the United States. There has been some question in the minds of some whether that would actually come to pass. And in fact, it may not. Between this time and that time, there may have been something that happened. And I may, for whatever reason, have decided to leave this podcast as is anyway. But I suspect that... It's going to go according to the schedule that has always been the case. Inauguration day comes, and the president who has been elected is put into office. You can think that's a good thing, a bad thing, an unfortunate thing, an unfair thing, whatever. But I do want to talk about Mr. Trump for a little bit and the negative way that he is being perceived. and Well, the negative ways, I should say, that he is being perceived. Some people say that this protest this continued court effort to try to reverse the results of the election and to deny Mr. Biden his place in the White House and things like that. But this is all simply an exercise of ego. Donald Trump simply doesn't like to lose. And he never has liked to lose because he sees himself as a winner and he refuses to accept anything else. He is a, a gigantic ball of ego. And I don't doubt that, at least in some measure, that's what's going on. I don't know that Mr. Trump, in fact, would argue with the idea of him having a large or even larger than normal ego. Being elected president of the United States probably didn't hurt that ego any, either. But there's more to it than that, in the minds of some. Some people see him as a traitor. Some people see him as someone who is destroying America, maybe even deliberately destroying America. And there are some, and you might argue this is a little bit more kind, but still negative in its way, who think that Donald Trump is simply a fool. 
that he doesn't know when to stop, that he is going and going and going. And in this process of trying to reverse a seemingly irreversible outcome, he is tainting whatever kind of legacy he had left over, that he is destroying his reputation. He's ensuring that the history books will record nothing but negative things about him. If that had not already been assured in times past, it certainly will be assured now that this couldn't possibly be a good thing, that he is Don Quixote tilting at windmills. And maybe there's some truth to all of those things. I don't know. That'll be for God to judge, I suppose, and certainly the history books, for the history books to judge. But what I want to do here today for a little bit is look at our own stubbornness and examine why exactly we're doing this, because really it makes all the difference in the world. There are some people who fight the good fight, in their minds anyway, because of their ego. They may or may not self-diagnose, but that's essentially what it is. A man named Diotrephes, I think, fits that category. In 3 John, verse number 9, John writes, I wrote something to the church about Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why if I come, I will remind him of the works he's doing, slandering us with malicious words, and he's not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he also stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. This is a man who has to be in charge and who will not be satisfied if he's not in charge to the point of rejecting apostolic authority, apostolic writing from John and perhaps others as well. If that's what we're doing, if we are holding to where we are simply because we can't stand losing, we need to remember it's not about us. It's not about my own record, my own legacy. It's about the Lord. It's always about the Lord. There is no place for egotism in the things of Jesus Christ. And the one who stands is going to need to take heed lest he fall, as the text says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. And don't be a traitor. That should be obvious. In your striving to make sure that Jesus Christ is Lord not only of your own life, but also Lord in the lives of your brethren and Lord in the lives of your neighbors, make sure he's your Lord. There's a text given to us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37 and following. For in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. When you go back on the gospel, when you go back on your commitment to the Lord, consciously or unconsciously, you are denying your Lord. You have ceased to fight the good fight. You have not finished the course, to use Paul's terminology in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We owe the Lord better than that. Do not quit this. Do not turn your back on the Lord who died for you. It's going to be tough, certainly. But if you still consider Jesus Christ to be Lord, find a way to persevere through this. And the fool thing, let's talk about that for a second. The things of God are always going to look foolish. It's not necessarily a problem to dream the impossible dream, to extend the Don Quixote analogy in uh, Man of La Mancha, that great song, to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to go where the brave dare not go. This is our calling oftentimes, and it looks foolish. It looks idiotic to the people out there in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it's always going to be foolish to people who are not of our group, 
those who do not have faith. But that doesn't make it foolish in God's eyes, and it shouldn't make it foolish in our eyes either. So when the fight does not seem to be winnable in the conventional sense of the word, that doesn't mean it's okay to quit. You can be foolish. You can be stubborn to the point of ridiculousness. If we're being stubborn for God's things in God's ways, if we're trusting him to work his things in us, no matter how many people oppose us, no matter how ridiculous it may seem to our neighbors, it's a fight that's worth fighting. So keep on fighting. And God bless us in it. Anyway, that's what I've been hearing. This is what I've been playing. For those of you not fortunate enough to have a game cafe in your area, let me explain the experience a little bit. There is a game store. They usually serve coffee and tea and perhaps sandwiches or some kind of finger food or whatever. Something that's not terribly messy most of the time. And they have games that you can rent and play there on the spot, sometimes for a fee. And we like to go to a game cafe that's not too far away from us here in Central Texas to, among other things, get out of the house, have a good cup of coffee, and experiment a little bit with the kind of games that are available. Games can be expensive. And sometimes if we are not quite sure about something, if we think we can learn the rules in 10 or 15 minutes and give it a decent run in a setting where we only have to spend $5 instead of $35 or $40 or $50, then that might be a good investment of time and money. And such was the case recently. We were in the local game cafe and we got out a copy of Photosynthesis, which is a game that has been uh, quite popular for a couple of years now, something we've thought about buying, but we weren't quite sure was our kind of thing. We get taken by surprise sometimes with games, and we're prepared to be surprised by photosynthesis because a lot of people really, really like it. It's a really neat-looking game. If you happen to have stumbled across it, you know what I'm talking about. There are these three-dimensional tree figures that you can place on your board. Some of them are little, and some of them are bigger, and some of them are a good bit bigger. And the idea basically is that the sun revolves around this board, and as it revolves, the trees cast shadows. And if your tree is catching the sunlight, then you make points. You're growing your forest, essentially. You can drop seeds, and the seeds grow into trees, and the trees grow into bigger trees. And eventually, the big trees die, and you get points for that, too. It's like a forest is, is cleansing itself. The old trees die. They make room for new trees. It's really quite thematic and quite attractive. And as it turns out, quite combative. And we suspected that would be the case. That seems like the, the nature of the game. You place your trees not only so that you can get the most sunlight, but also to a certain degree, because it's inevitable and inescapable, so that you can block the sunlight that is going to other players' trees. And cutthroat games, gotcha games, in-your-face combat kind of games are not really our thing. And you wouldn't think that a game about trees would necessarily be a, an exercise in combativeness, but it can be. And we suspect that it might be. That's one of the reasons why we had not bought the game to this point. But for $5, we'll give it a try. And so we're playing the game, and we're about two-thirds of the way through or so. And we're starting to get the look from Taylor and Kylie. And we asked, do you want to finish this game? And they said, not really. And so we didn't. We quit. 
And I look at photosynthesis as a good example of what we do with regard to searching for games. If we are surprised, if we have a bad experience, we don't quit gaming. We make course adjustments and we get back on track. That's the difference between quitting a game and quitting gaming. When I look at my work in the Lord, when I look at our work in the Lord along those lines, I'm reminded of similar principles that we don't always get it right. And sometimes we'll get it less right than we could. But when we make a mistake, when we don't go the right way, or we find out that there is a better way, we don't scrap the entire plan. We hone the plan. Worship is a good example of this, especially in the current climate. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. How many times have you heard that read recently with regard to COVID or, or anything else? We're supposed to be worshiping with the people of God. That is God's plan. If you find out that it's not possible to do what God wants you to do the way you have always done it, you find a different way. You find a way that will work if your particular path is not going to work. You don't get off the track. You don't quit worshiping. You find a better way, a more appropriate way to worship, so you're still doing what God is asking you to do. The same thing for marriage. Everybody has their own ideas about marriage. Everybody has their own philosophies and such, their own approaches, and they bring them into their marriage. And sometimes they work, and lots of times they don't. But the people of God believe what Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 6, that marriage is a lifetime experience, or should be, at least. Let not man put asunder what God has joined together. Well, you're joining together, your one flesh experience may not be very good. You may be struggling. Your spouse may be struggling. That doesn't mean marriage is a failure. That doesn't mean it's okay to quit. You find a better way of doing what God has told you to do, a more effective way of doing what God has told you to do, one that upholds God's principles and accomplishes God's will in your life more effectively than the previous plan had. Parenting, another great example. Train up a child in the way you should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, that's a good philosophy. But lots of times, our best efforts in the moment to parent our children don't work very well. Our best efforts to discipline our children don't work very well. That doesn't mean we quit parenting. That doesn't mean God's plan doesn't work. It means God's plan is not working in us at this given moment. We find a different way to implement God's plan, a better way to implement God's plan, one that will effectively do what he tells us to do that will get the desired result, or hopefully at least, will get the desired result. God's plan is a good plan. If it's not working in a particular moment, either we're implementing it poorly or we're understanding it poorly. Either way, we go back to the basics. We understand who we are as the people of God. We understand what we are trying to do as the people of God under his control, under his authority. And then we find a way to make it work, believing that he knows better for us. And the individual situations that we run across in this life do not change our commitment to his plan. Quit an approach, sure, but don't quit the plan. Anyway, that's what I've been playing. You've been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.